0: If you have your Bible today, I want to encourage you to turn to the book of Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs is where we're going to be tonight. Uh, turn to the middle of your Bible. You'll be pretty close uh, to Proverbs. If you end up in Psalms, keep going. If you find yourself in Ecclesiastes, you've gone too far. If you end up in Song of Songs, uh, don't read that without adult supervision. Turn back to the left, okay? Uh, Proverbs 4 is where we're going to be. If uh, you did not bring your Bible with you, you can find Proverbs 4 on page 990 in the blue Bible that we have available for you in all of our worship spaces. And uh, as you find that, let me say uh, welcome to you, thanks for being here. Uh, Welcome to First Methodist Mansfield, especially if this is your first time uh, here with us. You just saw an expression of who we are, uh, a church that's committed to making disciples of Jesus who love God, love others, and serve the world. Uh, We're going to begin by reading uh, the text that I want to share with you today, because this is really a theme for us for the the entire message, and we're going to come back to it uh, several times. But Proverbs 4, verse 23 is really our theme for today. Uh, And that text uh, says this, uh, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. I want to invite you to say that with me. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Uh, This is the second week of this series looking for leaders, and we began last week uh, by first looking at this uh, quote from John Maxwell, who says, everything rises and falls with leadership. Uh, And in considering that bold idea, I encourage you to begin first with your own desire to be led by great leaders, regardless of the context of your life, whether you think about your workplace or your home or or any of the organizations or institutions. Institutions that may support your life, we all have the desire to be led by great leaders. And so we started last week uh, with these two ideas, looking at the life of Moses, uh, his original calling. uh, We started first with the surprising truth that God also actually actually believes in leadership because God does his work through God's people. But uh, the theme really for the entire message series is the idea that while the world is looking for leaders, the leader God is looking for just might be you. That, that uh, we, we live in this world, uh, so you're surrounded every single day by people who, who want good leaders in their life, and, and we share that. Sometimes we simply join in the search without recognizing that the leader God might be looking for is, is actually us. That you might be the leader that God is looking for in your workplace. That you might be the leader that God is looking for uh, in your home. That you might be a leader, the leader that God is looking for in in the organization, the institution that that supports your life and the life of, of those around you. God may in fact be looking at you. And so in this series, what we're looking at is is we're bringing this idea to our faith, thinking about what does our faith teach us about the search for leaders, but also how we might impact a world in which everyone is looking for leadership in in their life. Uh, so again we began last week uh, with the life of Moses and in just a few moments we're going to turn our attention to the life of King David but I thought first I would give you a modern day expression of what we mean when we say uh, while the world is looking for leaders the leader God uh, may be looking for uh, is you uh, you may have heard this story uh, this is Maggie uh, Maggie is six years old uh, Maggie is uh, just finished kindergarten so she's actually one of ours. Her family is one of the families that we have welcomed into our church family. They've they've become members in this last year. Uh, Maggie went to uh, a park uh, here in our community, and after visiting that park, uh, she thought to herself, there needs to be a swing set in this park. And so Maggie took it upon herself, six-year-old Maggie, to write a letter to the director of the parks in our community. Uh, And you can probably tell tell from the picture here of Maggie with our mayor, uh, that after sending that letter, she got a good response to her request. Uh, This is what Maggie said about why she did that. Six-year-old Maggie said, I just love to swing. All the other parks have swings, and I just thought we should too. So I wanted to tell them. And so she sends a letter again to the uh, director of the parks, and, and what he said, he was quoted as saying this, how do you say no to a six-year-old? And so now, uh, this, one of the smaller parks in our community, it now, it now has a swing set. And uh, again, here's Maggie with our mayor to, uh, for the opening of, of, of that, new, uh, that new addition to the park. That's, that's an expression of leadership. That's an expression of someone saying, well, there's a, there's a world where everyone else is looking for leaders, but what can I do? What, how, how can I express that? Uh, again, today we're looking at the life of King David. And David, uh, first off, uh, is a great name if you're looking for... Uh, a name for uh, a child, anyways, uh, but David is one of those individuals in the story of the Bible whose uh, the reflections of his life is, are really found throughout the entire Bible. Uh, he is a hero of ancient Israel, thought to be the greatest king of ancient Israel, but his legacy is also seen and also celebrated when we turn to the New Testament story. Uh, some of you may know that, that Jesus uh, is known uh, in the Gospels as a Son of David, that the Messiah comes from the line of David, if you 've read uh, the beginning of the Gospel of Mark uh, Gospel of Matthew or the Gospel of luke the the narrative of jesus 's birth, you may note that Bethlehem, where Jesus is born, is referred to as the city of David uh, and even if you don't know much about the Bible, even if you haven't read much of uh, of the scriptures, you probably know a little bit about david 's life and you know some of his work, for instance. Uh, Uh, One of the most famous passages of the Bible, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, Psalm 23. That was written by King David. Uh, and, and again, even if you don't have a lot of familiarity with the Bible, you've probably at least heard the story of a young shepherd boy named David uh, fighting a, the giant of a man named Goliath, and how David the young shepherd boy with just a, a few stones and a slingshot, uh, he bested this, this incredible Philistine warrior. Uh, you probably know something about David's life, but what you may not know is how unlikely a leader David was. Uh, the, 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 so much of who David was uh, should have led us to believe that there was nothing we would remember about him past uh, his own life in the generations to come. First off, David was the runt of the family. He was the youngest of eight sons, uh, uh, born within a culture where there was already a steep drop between son one and son number two. He was number eight. So you can imagine what it was like for him to grow up as the youngest of eight sons in the house of Jesse. Uh, After uh, Saul, King Saul, lost favor with God, uh, uh, God sent Samuel to go anoint a new king from the house of Jesse. And and here is what God said to Samuel in that. Uh, He said, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. These were the instructions that Samuel was given when he went to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king, and that's all well and good. But Jesse, the father of these eight sons, didn't even think to invite David to the party because he couldn't imagine that God would want anything to do with his youngest child. But David, of course, was eventually the one who was anointed to be the next king over Israel. But David's ascent to the throne was not immediate. In fact, after the anointing that David receives from Solomon, the only thing that came David's way was trouble because there was still the previous king, King Saul. And so because David found favor with God, because he was anointed as the next king of Israel, for the next several years, he spent most of his time running for his life. Now eventually he became king. Uh, and David conquered Jerusalem, he moved his capital there, he brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. He, he had a, a goal, a dream of one day building a permanent tabernacle in Jerusalem where, where God might dwell among God's people. It was a dream that wasn't fulfilled in his life, but a dream that was fulfilled in the, li- in his li- in the life of his son Solomon. David was a great king over Israel, but his life also included a few mistakes and many misfortunes in his life. Uh, Perhaps the greatest of those was the adulterous relationship that he had with Bathsheba and the cover-up that was orchestrated by David in the aftermath of that event that led to the, the killing of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. It was a grievous sin, an abuse of power that David eventually repented of when he was confronted by the prophet Nathan. But for the rest of his life, David really dealt with the consequences of his sin. David and Bathsheba lost that child, and later on in his life, David's son Abnon, Perhaps learning from his father's example, uh, the the example of the one who had simply taken what he had wanted, Abnon forced himself on his half-sister, Tamar. And the response to that was that David's other son, Absalom, killed his brother Abnon And when father and son could not be reconciled in the aftermath of that, Absalom, the son of David, led a rebellion against his father David, which would eventually lead to the death of another one of David's children, Absalom at the hands of the king's forces. Now at this point you should be thinking, wow, I thought my my family was really messed up. And that's really the goal today It's just that you would feel better about yourself because your life is not nearly as messed up as this, right? Not really. But here's the question I want to raise for you. The question I want to raise for you is why David? Why is it that this? king, this, this man, after coming from these humble beginnings and, is, and, and, and coming to the, the throne, the, the, the king, uh, becoming the king of Israel, and, and given all the things that I just told you about his life, why is it that David is celebrated as the greatest king of Israel? Why is it that that according to the prophecies of Isaiah and others, that the Messiah was going to come from the throne of David, from the line of David? Why why is it that he is such a celebrated figure, a hero of the ancient Israelites? Why is that given everything that went wrong in his life as well as the, the grief and the sorrow and the pain that was a part of so much of his life. Why? Why David? And we're not there yet in in our reading through the book of Acts this summer. We're doing that together if you're not a part of that. But in Acts chapter 13, here's what the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, here's what he says about David. Here's how he describes him. Some of you have heard this phrase before. He describes David as a man after God's own heart. A flawed individual, for sure, but someone who over the course of his life continually laid his heart before God. And he prayed, God, would you point out here the things that are good and the things that are lovely and the things that are true? And, and would you also point out in me the things that are not good, that are good? not of you that are false and, and need to be removed from my life. David was a man after God's own heart. And when we look at the life of David, not only what happened in the course of his life, but also the the reflections and the prayers and the songs that we find in the book of Psalms written by David that speak to the, the full experience of his life, this is what we learn about leadership when we look at the life of David. We learn that leadership begins and ends with the heart. Leadership begins and ends with the heart. That that we live in a world that is looking for leaders. We live in a world that is looking for leaders. The leader that God might be looking for just might be you. But leadership, leadership begins and ends with the heart because leadership is a work of the heart. And I want us to read this together one more time. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Again, leadership begins and ends with the heart. And what I want to offer you today are a couple of reasons why I think that's true. Uh, these are a few thoughts that I want to encourage you to write down because I want to encourage you to think about them in your life as you think about your capacity to lead and influence others and how that capacity to, to influence and lead and bless others is really dependent upon what is happening within the context of your heart. Here's the first idea. That leadership is always an act of courage, and courage is formed in your heart. Leadership is always, always an act of courage, and courage is formed in your heart. The potential for rejection... The possibility of failure and the risk of unintended consequences is always present in the acts of leaders. Say that one more time. The potential for rejection, the possibility of failure and the risk of unintended consequences, those are always present in the acts of leaders. David made a decision after Amnon had forced himself on his half-sister Tamar. And his decision was this. His decision was to respond to this tragic circumstance in the life of his children with the same grace that God had given to David. And that was a decision that his son Absalom could not understand. And because of that decision, because of uh, his own anger at what had happened and misunderstanding of what David had done, Absalom killed his brother and in the rebellion that followed that Absalom led against his father, many other lives were lost because David chose to respond with grace and his son chose to respond in anger and violence. It was an act of courage for David to say, I'm going to respond with grace. And it was also an act of courage for David, we can expect, to come to a place where he could forgive himself for what others did in response to what David had done. The tragedy and the the loss of life that was a result because of what Absalom had done in response to the decision made by his father his father David. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. Everything stays as it is. The world remains unchanged without courage. And courage is always formed in the heart. Leaders who lack courage Our leaders who have no capacity to bring about change, to to, to bring about the world that God intends it to be, and courage is something that can only be formed in the crucible of our hearts as God leads us and changes us and moves us forward in our life. The second idea would be this, that leadership, uh, the heart, is where God plants God's dreams. The heart is where God plants God's dreams. So because of the potential for rejection, because of the possibility of failure, because of the risk of unintended consequences which are always present in the act of leaders, the temptation will always be that we would shrink back from the challenge of faithful living, the challenge of being the leader that God has called us to be. Think about something as simple as six-year-old Maggie. Sending a letter hoping that they'd put a swing set in the park by her house. Think about how different that might have turned out had the letter been, we're not going to put a swing set over there. There's always a risk of rejection. There's always a risk of failure, there's always a risk that unintended consequences will result and the temptation will always be there for us to shrink back into a life that is less than the life that is in line with God's dreams for our lives. We pray each week, God thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But maybe you've had the experience, maybe you, in a moment of inspiration, you have gone out and tried to be a fulfillment of that prayer. And in the activity that followed in the the way you chose to to respond to what you saw in the world and what it would look like for the dreams of God to become a reality in in the world in which you live, maybe, just maybe, you ran into the idea that someone who works for the fulfillment of God's dreams and the, and the realization of God's kingdom quickly realizes that there are places in our world where another kingdom is already in place. And when that authority is threatened, it's really easy to shrink back and to say, I'm going to live a little bit more safe life. God. May your kingdom come, may your will be done a little bit later, because this is getting really, really hard. But it's in the heart. It's in the heart where where God renews his dreams. It's in the heart where God gives us a clear picture of God's kingdom. It's in the heart where courage grows. It's in the, it's in the heart. It's in the heart where our purpose and our meaning and the real value and significance of our life is renewed when we come back to God and allow God's Spirit to work within us. And, and the heart, the heart is where the battle for leaders is lost or won. And I could tell you lots of stories about this. I could give you lots of illustrations of, of individuals, uh, names that you would know, uh, leaders who you would recognize who are the expression of this truth. But I don't have to do that, right? You know this is true. You know this is true, that the capacity of of leadership is often not a result or an expression of our talents or our gifts or our skills, but it's it's an expression of the vitality of our hearts. Because there are things that work their way into our thinking, there are things that work their way into our being, there is pride, there is greed, there is anger, there is jealousy, there is envy. And the heart is where that battle takes place. And when that battle is won, leadership can thrive and courage can grow. But when that battle is lost, the, the, the public failure may not yet be known, but that leader's capacity has already been compromised. And so we look at the life of David and we see this incredible moral failure, this this incredible abuse of power. And we see how damaged David's heart must have been in that moment, but we also see someone who had the courage to say, I was wrong and I made a mistake and I seek your forgiveness, God, and I want to begin to live in a new way. If you want to read more about what David does in response to that great failure, read Psalm 51, the Psalm that David writes in response to that, words that are very familiar to some of you. You may not know the connection to this moment, create in me a clean heart, O God, David says as he faces the reality of everything that he had done wrong. It's in the heart where the battle for leaders is won and where the battle is lost, the heart is the place where leadership is formed. And so again, would you read this with me? Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. If you want to learn more about the life of David, if you want to read more about David's faith and David's character and the way in which David lived into this vision, this this, uh, understanding we find in Acts 13 as a man after God's own heart, there's lots that you can read in the Bible about David. Read through the Psalms, many of which were written by David. Again the Psalms which speak uh, to the great, uh, all the different expressions of life, the highs and the lows, David celebrating. God in moments of triumph, and David at his absolute lowest, uh, in the midst of his own failure, in the midst of his son's rebellion. You can find all that in the book of Psalms. You can read David's heart. You can hear about his story. So much that you can turn to that was written and expressed by David. But here's the last thought that I want to leave you with today. This was not written by David. This is from the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs was written by David's son, Solomon. These are not words that David wrote, but these were words that David lived. And because he lived them, long after he was gone, his son wrote these words for us. A truth that we recognize that that all of life flows from right here it flows from the heart above all else guard your heart for everything that you do flows from it a truth that Solomon learned because he learned it from his father David and so today what I want to invite you I want to challenge you to think about is I want to challenge you to think about what's going on in your heart today what does your heart today say to you about your capacity to be the leader that God has called you to be? Within your heart today, do you sense the vitality and the, and the freshness and the passion that grows from understanding what God's kingdom is really all about and what God's dreams might be for you in your life? Do you sense in your life right now that, that, that courage that comes that, that leads you to, uh, to, to, to respond to the world in the way that God would have you to do or do you find yourself shrinking back? Are you shrinking back because recently you've been a little bit battered? You've, you've, you've had your, you, you found yourself at a place where you feel a little beaten down. Do you need the Spirit of God to revive you in your life and res- revive uh, the, the, the capacity that you have to, to be the leader that God has called you to be? Or is it possible that right now you are in a battle? You're in a battle and what you may not recognize right now is it's a battle for your soul. It's a battle for everything else that God would do in your life. It's a battle for the legacy that you might one day leave for the generations that come. Maybe today what what you would simply hear is, this is a battle that you cannot lose. And so pray that God would revive your heart so that you could be the leader that God has called you to be. Above all else, guard it, protect it, defend it. Don't give it up because everything, everything comes from our hearts. Let's pray. Loving God, we pray for courage, the courage which only you can give, the courage which you plant in our hearts, the courage to be the leaders that you have called us to be. Whether the capacity of that leadership, Lord, is as grand as someone like David, or as simple, Lord, as the act of a young person like Maggie. Help us, Lord, to be the people to be the people that you have called us to be. Encourage us, Lord, so that we will not shrink back from the challenges of faithfulness, that we will not give up when the battle seems to turn away from us. Help us to be those who are, who are faithful and who are willing to fight for what you would see realized in our life and in the lives of those around us. Would you encourage my brothers and sisters today, Lord, to see perhaps a picture of their life that they have not seen before, that while everyone else may be looking for leaders, you, Lord, are looking at them. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.